You're listening to the Propane Fitness Podcast, your ultimate resource for fat loss and muscle gain with none of the gimmicks. With your hosts, Yusuf and Johnny. Simple rules, dramatic results. So, good evening. We are here on the Propane Podcast with Danny Miranda. Danny is a refreshing dose of positivity online. And I think he's been the single proof that despite the kind of negativity bias and outrage bias that social media has, loads of people kind of giving it the big end, um, it's possible to just be your authentic, positive self and to connect with people. And this is what Danny has done. And what, what's actually drawn me to him is that he's actually done the work. You can tell that he's he's done the hard stuff, he's battled his demons, and he's here to bring some valuable insights to do with energy and discipline and some real stuff that's immediately applicable to your life as well. So Danny, thanks so much for coming on. Well, first of all, Yusuf, thank you for having me. And for everyone listening, it's I've been in your shoes because I love what this guy's putting out. I love propane fitness. I love all their content. So for everyone listening, for everyone watching, I am exactly in your shoes. And I appreciate you so much, Yusuf, for having me on today. Man, thanks so much. I think this is kind of a uh, well, one of these serendipitous things where Danny reached out to me. We had a bit, we had a bit of a phone call. I ended up on his podcast, and it turned out like we'd we'd kind of been um, resonating at the same same kind of wavelengths for for some time. And actually, um, I think there was a moment mid podcast where you were like, "Ah, oh, I've been watching the Life Hacks series, and you're that guy on the table." <laughs> so. It's, uh, yeah, and it's funny how, like, in a world where there are billions of people interacting, you still manage to kind of find people that you connect with, and whether that's uh, the algorithm helping that out or whether it's some something on an energetic level, um, it's all pretty cool that it's happening. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy that we can, we've aligned in this way, and it's like when we spoke on the phone for the first time, I was like, have I known this person my whole life? Like, this is crazy. So yeah, just really grateful to to get to know you, really grateful for the connection, man. Very much felt the same way, actually. Yeah, it's uh, old souls. So so Danny, can you tell us a bit about um, your story? Because you you used to do e-com stuff online and you've made a bit of a, bit of a shift, both personally and um, in terms of your kind of, your public presence as well. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started posting content online, it was in June of 2018. I graduated college. I wanted to make money. I was like, how do I make money? I'm going to let me go right into e-commerce. Let me go right into to drop shipping. And so I started posting and documenting my journey doing that. And what I realized after a year of doing it was that it didn't align with the person that I wanted to be. And there were some rough moments, man. It's just, it's tough when you invest all your time into doing something. And then all of a sudden you feel like, wow, this is not what I was meant to be doing. So that was really difficult for me. And yeah, so when I, I got to that point of, of not knowing what I was supposed to do with my life in September of 2019, I started to go down the path of 75 hard and 75 hard is something that has changed my life. And it's just a, 
a, a routine of of five habits, which is just work out twice a day, drink a gallon of water, read 10 pages of a book, take a progress picture, and follow a diet of your choosing with no alcohol involved. And so I did this program and it led me to a place of of discipline, doing the work, and it made me more of a long-term thinker. And I've been through some ups and downs since that moment, but long story short, this program helped put me on the trajectory that I'm on now and super grateful for that. And yeah, that that's my my story, I guess. That is really cool. And I, I, I want to do some content on the idea of 75 hard because I think a lot of people will look at it from a surface level and they'll be like, but what's special about drinking a gallon of water? And, and they look at the, the specifics of it. Whereas really mm. what it sounds like with you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it's almost like <clears throat> there was a sense of misalignment with who you were, who you, what you were doing in, in the world and um, what you were capable of and, and being able to authentically connect with other people. And it seems like 75 hard was almost just like a the internal switch that changed to then start saying, right, I'm actually going to start asking myself the uncomfortable questions, doing the uncomfortable things. And it pushes you down this road of like, ah, now that that's no longer an obstacle for me, I can now start moving in alignment with my calling and not be distracted by what's comfortable. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And I think what I was doing with e-commerce and dropshipping was just chasing the most comfortable path and trying to do the easiest thing. But doing this program realigned me because I realized, oh, wow, when I'm doing the uncomfortable thing, when I'm going and and doing the workout that I was most proud of in throughout doing 75 hard was the one where I was, it was like late at night, 11 p.m. And I remember where I was like, and I was like, should I do it? Should I not? It was like day 48. And I did the workout and I was so proud of myself after. And it, it led to the next day and the day after that and realizing like, oh my God, it was the, doing the difficult thing was actually the thing that was most beneficial and actually the thing that I'm most proud of. So why wouldn't I lean into that difficult thing in the future is kind of how I think about it. That's really interesting. And it, it kind of very much ties in with your perception of yourself and how much you trust yourself to do the things that you said that you would do. And I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to dig into that. Um, but something that, that, so what you described there just before we, before we go on was feeling like you're not, not doing quite the right stuff. Like when, with the e-commerce, you know, like you're making money, you're doing all the stuff that should be fulfilling, but you're like, ah, oh, I'm not, it's not quite, not quite there. And I think that's, that's got to be a feeling that many people really resonate with. And um, we, we talked about this when, when I, I came on your podcast about working in investment banking and feeling like I was misaligned and not living in, in an authentic truth to myself. Um, what would you recommend for someone that's feeling that way? Maybe they're in a job that they've kind of inherited, like they've inherited the values and beliefs of their society and they're in a job just because they feel like they should be what would you say should be the first step for someone to, to self-correct? I would say the first step that, that helped me was to do something difficult. And, you know, that sounds so counterintuitive. Like why, why would you do something difficult if you are, 
you're in this position where you want to get out of. And the reason why I say do something difficult and do it consistently for a long period of time, i.e. more than a month, right? The reason I say that is because you might be in that position because you wanted to take the comfortable route. Even if your job is investment banking, even if your job is e-commerce, you and you're doing hard and difficult work, that doesn't mean that you asked yourself the right questions and asked yourself, is this right for me? Am I doing this just because of the money? So I think doing something difficult would be my first step. And doing something difficult could be something, it, it depends on the person, right? Like for some people doing 75 hard is the right idea. For some people, it might just be to sit with your thoughts and meditate for 20 minutes a day for you know three months. If you commit to that, you can change your own brain chemistry and you could also uncover things about yourself that you might be suppressing. So doing something difficult is the first thing I would recommend for someone in that position. That's really interesting. Well, it's, it's kind of the meta habit, isn't it? And I, I like that you, you pointed out there that doing something difficult doesn't necessarily mean grinding in a, a hard job or grind, doing, grinding out a hard workout. Because if, you, if, if the way that you're minded is like, you know, you, you, you almost sedate yourself by running or by doing something that's like sweating and, and you hate the idea of like doing some yoga or doing some relaxation activity because it doesn't sit well with you. Maybe that's the thing that you need to be addressing. So I, I guess it's about looking at what are your bottlenecks and not, not hiding in difficult things, but looking for the things that are truly uncomfortable, not necessarily on a physical level, but on, uh, on all aspects of your, your being. And it sounds like with you, it was, um, opening the door to asking yourself the uncomfortable questions. Cause I'm sure that running a successful e-com business is, you know, subjectively difficult. It's hard to do, but it's still comfortable in the sense that like, Oh, I don't really have to No, I don't have to question my soul with this. That's exactly right. And I think that this is loosely related, but it's something that I was talking to my mom about recently, which was that if you are, you're heavy in movement, if you're, if you're a, a, someone who moves a lot, you should lean towards stillness. And if you're someone who sits still, you should lean towards movement. And it's kind of what we we're talking about before, which is that like, you should lean into something that you don't do. If you don't do yoga, then maybe doing yoga is what you should be doing. If you are scared of going to the gym and weightlifting, maybe that's the path you should take. I think everyone is battling their own demons. Everyone is in their own head and everyone knows what the right thing for themselves is, but you only get to that point of feeling happy with yourself if you do that difficult thing and go to that place that where you are uncomfortable going. That's really well put. So doing the thing that doesn't come naturally to you. And well, it's the whole comfort zone idea. Yeah, isn't it? And, and the first time I went to the yoga studio, I was on like day two or day three of 75 hard. And I realized that I needed to do uh, a yoga workout. Like I need a recovery workout because otherwise I wasn't going to be able to weight train, you know, 150 times in a span of 75 days. I just wasn't going to be practical. And I went in there and it was so uncomfortable for me. I was like, 
what should I do? I don't know any of the poses. I don't know anything. All these women, what are all these women doing? They all are so flexible. They know what they're doing. And by the end of 75 hard, I had probably done 30 yoga sessions and I was hooked. I was like, this is incredible. This is a new way of living. And I never would have got to that point if I didn't do 75 hard in the first place. So leaning into that difficult thing showed a new light to me. That's exactly my experience with yoga as well, where you come in and you just, you feel like the kind of, um, awkward, inflexible, sweaty, grunting dude at the the back of the class and all these like perfectly symmetrical, like poised women at the front. And you just like all these thoughts going through your head of like, oh my God, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. I'm, or like they, you know, thinking, oh, well maybe they think I'm just here to like perv on them or there's all these like <laughs> thoughts that come up. Yeah. Whereas um, what certainly what happened with, with me doing yoga was the first, say first half of the session it just there's it doesn't feel like you just you're grooving and you're just kind of fumbling along and then there's a moment of acceptance and then every the mind starts quieting and then the movements just just flow and it's so correlated with just accepting that this is going to be difficult and i'll just i'll just be right here and you know let go of tuning out all of the 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 mental fuzz that's going on yeah, absolutely. And I'll never forget how I felt after that first yoga session, like literally the first one. I sat there at the end of the class and I was like, oh my God, my body needed this. Like, and my mind needed it as well. And I would never have done this if it wasn't for this program. And I feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Like, I felt like the tension that had release from that for literally the first session was so incredible that I was, I was hooked immediately. And, and yeah, I'm curious if you've had the same experience. Yeah. I, so I've just been digging up this, uh, this quote from Gary Weber, which kind of describes what, what you've been saying there, which is, uh, so he says, yoga is not about flatter abs, tighter buns, a perfect pincher mayurasana, or being really comfortable in Lotus for a full hour. Yoga is about stilling the cacophony of thoughts and achieving unending, natural, uncaused happiness and peace. How many yoga students realize that you can end the psychological turmoil and chaos in their lives? In many yoga classes, a meditative awareness which can be created is destroyed by doing postures in a broken fashion with little regard for a holistic sequence. Too much verbal instruction, stopping for alignment corrections and adjustments, watching demonstrations. And there's a competitive environment created with levels and variations for some and not for others, and having the most flexible student demonstrate the asanas, etc. In a culture saturated with competition, this quickly creates in the student's mind another venue for comparison, judgment, and angst, precisely the opposite for stilling modifications of the mind. And so I think the, the antidote to that is just fully going, going in with it, fully feeling the breath and just doing the movement and letting go of that stuff. And, and it does, luckily it does just happen to you or certainly in my experience, like the, it's not even a conscious choice. It just, the sequence of movements and the synchronizing with the breath, something just switches and then you're just in it. It's a beautiful, beautiful art form. And I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to, to start the practice because 
And and another thing that I want to point out is that I don't know if I would have been comfortable enough to go into a yoga studio if I had not lifted weights for two years prior. And, and that's what's so fascinating, right? It's like everything that we do builds on top of something else. And if you want to, you know, like the reason why I was comfortable doing yoga was just because I had the ability to, to say to myself, listen, like I'm confident enough in who I am. I'm confident enough in sticking with things. So it's, it's really just incredible what, and I think that you, you might understand that it's like, if you, if you start with weight training and you use that as a base, you can then build and be more comfortable in other activities. This is uh, building self-efficacy. So that's kind of a term that psych- psychologically is uh, psychology researchers use to describe kind of the trust that you have in yourself to do a to do a new activity to do something which you're not used to, and I think lifting weights is probably the best training ground for that because it's so progressive, and because you can start with an empty bar and move upwards, and then you're like, oh, actually, I've proven to myself that I can progress with this and then applying that same mindset into something that you're really crap at like starting with yoga um is a great way to not only keep your ego in check but to to keep pushing your own limits and so i think in general doing something that you are a total beginner at is going to be so valuable both from a neuroplasticity perspective from an ego perspective and from just broadening your horizons couldn't agree more, my man. Could not agree more. So, this is this is really interesting. Then, so you've had you've had the quite a full uh, full being transformation from from <laughs> doing the the seventy five hard program, um, and fr- from what I've seen as well, you've you've been able to this just infuse this new level of life, positivity, and energy into your work and into the, the way that you operate as a whole, what, what do you, what's meant to you by energy? Energy is so important to me and energy is, is I think the most important resource we have on earth. And I think that with energy, you can achieve and move mountains and without it, you are left without anything. And it's, it's something that I'm super, there, there were times this year, Yusuf, when I didn't have any energy at all and I had nothing. And I was sitting in, sitting in a room where with, without anything and just without, and all I could think was, wow, I, I wish I wish I, I felt a zest for life. I wish I felt enjoyment. And what I realized was that by doing difficult things, you you get that that zest for life. You and if you are aligned with your vision for how you want to see the world, nothing can stop you. That is how I've gained energy. And I mean, there there's a lot of things that go into it as well, but I'm sure we could discuss those first. For sure. And I saw a, a tweet actually this morning um, from a guy called Deeper Thrill talking about energy and focus and how they're separate things. And if you have 
high energy but low focus, you're kind of um, frantic. But if you have low energy and low focus, you're procrastinator. And what was the other one? If you have high focus, low energy, it's detached. Everyone knows a kind of um, office worker who is like just almost semi-conscious, but they're, they're focused on something. And then the, the ultimate state we want to reach is being high energy and high focus. And it sounds like the transition that you've made has moved you towards that end of the quadrant. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things too is like understanding that it's always a work in progress, right? Because sometimes I'll go on Twitter and I'll notice myself get less focused outside of Twitter. And it's really interesting how certain things will, you you might think you have it all figured out in, in terms of feeling calm, feeling present, feeling loving, feeling energetic, feeling able to focus. But then there are always going to be things that are trying to pull you out of that, right? There's always going to be, you know, Twitter. There's always going to be the news. There's always going to be music. Like if you are not so, so careful with your inputs, the things coming in, you are at the mercy of the way the world wants to train you. And so I think it's always a work in progress and I'm always trying to make sure I'm at the top of my game as, as best I can in terms of focus and energy. So important because all of these external, um, these external drains on, on your energy, they're, they're all, they're all operating within the marketplace for attention and they're trying to draw your attention away from, from what you're doing. And they know that algorithmically outrage and negativity are the things which get people to, um, to engage. And by responding to that, you end up kind of feeding the beast and it can become this, this complete uh, cycle of, and, and, you know, you, you were saying as well that people aren't really very discriminatory with what they put into their minds. And it's so funny because people are so careful with what they put in their mouths, Mm -hmm. but completely indiscriminate with what they put in their minds. Um, So I think looking at what are my input sources and how can I, how can I put some, uh, some barriers in place or how can I curate that rather than just let it be dictated to me is so, so important. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I have a few things to program my mind, which if I had told myself that I was doing these things probably two or three years ago, I would have been like, this person is out of their mind. So if you're listening to this or watching this and thinking that, I totally understand. I've been there. I do a few things to help make sure that my inputs are the ones that I want them to be. And that is on my bathroom mirror, I have a, an index card that says who I want to be and who the type of person that I want to be. And I read it every morning. Another is that I have a mentality folder, which is just a way to, it, it's like the index card, but it's expanded. And the third thing that I do which I've stopped doing in the past month, but that I was doing for the past seven months was just telling myself I love myself on a consistent basis. And this is so absurd. And if you're listening to this being like, how does any of these things work? I don't know. But all I do know is that when I follow them consistently and and I say to myself, I love myself consistently, it leads to more love in my own life. It leads to a better outcome. And it's much different than 
consuming the news or consuming Twitter. And so if you are listening to this, I highly recommend just writing out an index card, who you want to be, the type of person you want to be, and just telling yourself, I love myself. And sounds crazy, but it's worked for me. This is the thing, you know, like people will hear that and think, oh, that sounds a bit cringe or that sounds like it won't work or whatever. But really what it's a low cost experiment to just try. And at the end of the day, the brain just follows instructions. And what what I hear there, and I'm the same. If I heard that a couple of years ago, I would have been like, oh, bollocks. But really this is, we're either choosing to be programmed by the the random movements of the market and the feed and everything else, or we can just do it consciously. And it's no different. I don't think it's selling out to create our own programming because we're already being programmed regardless. So you may as well make it something that's beneficial and moves you forward in a way that you want to go. Absolutely. And it's like, if you can just do that on a consistent basis. And it's like, it's difficult to say, I love myself every day in the beginning. When you're first doing it, it'll sound weird. It'll sound like, what the hell is this? What are you saying? Like, And then if you actually do it consistently, you'll be like, wow, like my life is starting to change. I am starting to see differences in what's going on. And I, I can't recommend the practice more. I think one of the ways to use affirmations and maybe why maybe one of the reasons i kind of resisted the idea of it in the past was that i thought it was like you just you say it and then it somehow that like i was like where where, what's the mechanism for it to suddenly work but now i'm realizing that what the affirmation does is it it points to the discomfort in hearing that like you say it and then something inside is like oh that doesn't quite feel right or oh i'm not quite and so that's the thing which you then have to work on it throws up the obstacle to it and then you work through the obstacle until you can say it and there's no resistance inside absolutely and it that's what we were talking about before which is like leading into the uncomfortable things this is like what happened to me when i started meditating for 60 minutes is the uncomfortable truths about myself started to pop up and the uncomfortable situations, the situations where someone treated me wrong or the situations where I treated someone else wrong, those situations popped up naturally because they were still in the back of my brain. And I didn't realize that I was holding on to those situations in every aspect of my communication, every aspect of of talking to someone, I was still holding on to that interaction. And once you understand it, and once you are aware of that situation, and forgive yourself or that person, you are free from the situation and you can then operate at a higher energetic level. And without that meta habit of facing the uncomfortable, many people would just keep replaying that same old programming over and over again and not really want to confront it. But that, you know, this is the universe or the unconscious or whatever you want to call it, just continually saying like, look, man, this is a this is a sore spot for you. You need to do something about it. I don't know if you've ever seen um, these shows like uh, the Dr. Phil and Jerry Springer over in the States um, where you just have, you have someone who like has left their previous partner and now they're with someone who's exactly the same and they've created the same circumstances again and again. And it's just a, you know, it, it it's just the, the example of that happening in people's lives. And we see it very easily in other people, but less so with ourselves. 
Absolutely. And I think we're, we are going to create the same mistakes over and over again if we don't confront ourselves and we don't look at ourselves from third person. And that could be as simple as talking to a therapist. That could be as simple as getting someone close to you to ask you about yourself. These are like uncomfortable conversations. But when you do that, you are then free to see yourself in the third person and then give yourself the right idea to move forward. For sure, man. And so you, you've actually, this was a recent post that you put up, but it's a quick checklist for ways to see like, where am I potentially, um, where have I got holes in the bucket with my energy? And you've talked through seven of them. I wonder if we can go through them. Um, so we've got to start with what breathing, how is this, um, featured in your, in your practice? Yeah. So when I first started to make a transition and change in my life, let's call it March, 2020, I really was heavy on Wim Hof breathing and it really, it changed my psyche. Every time I did it, I felt differently. And admittedly, I haven't been doing this practice recently. I'm not sure why, but it is something that changed the psychology of my brain. And, and it opened me up to, to feeling like I was on a drug sometimes. I don't know if you've had any experience with Wim Hof breathing, but absolutely blew my mind. It's a very powerful practice. Yeah. I think a lot of the different, I've, I've done um, Stan Groff's holotropic breath work as well over in um, the Isle of Man with Stan. And yeah, the, these practices, I think people think like, because we breathe all the time, it's, it doesn't really get paid much attention, but it is the interface between energy and consciousness. And it, it's the way that your autonomic nervous system can, can be manipulated. Like if you look at all of the, um, the vital signs that you can get, so you've got blood pressure, heart rate, respiratory rate, um, like stroke volume, temperature. The only one that we can really influence directly is respiratory rate. It's how it's how we breathe. You know that yes, then that has downstream effects on the heart rate and so on. But no one can consciously stop their heart from beating. Or you know, so. So this is the. I think it's like the channel into tapping into our bodies. It's incredible because when you realize it's the one thing you can control and you could either do it unconsciously or consciously, it has changed the way I think. And also another thing on breathing is that I use these breathe right nose strips, which they help you breathe from your nose. And it's incredible the difference that it makes. And I highly recommend anybody who breathes through their mouth while sleeping to check these out because they they've revolutionized my my breathing and so I, I highly recommend them that's cool what you wear it at night before you go to bed yeah you throw it on you throw it on your nose before you go to bed and it uh it helps you breathe just from your nose so is the idea that it like does it spread the nostrils a bit i don't know the science behind it to be honest all i know is that Ronaldo's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ronaldo's coach or sleep coach recommended this was the first thing he recommended to him when he hired him. So I was like, listen, if it's good enough for Ronaldo, it's good enough for me. 
Sweet. Well, I'm I'm gonna have to buy some straight after this then. <laughs> um, I've tried the uh, the the mouth tape thing as well, yeah, which is quite useful. I, I haven't gone to that that level of extreme, you know, taping my mouth. Yeah, I I, I saw a couple of uh, posts going round of people like almost killing themselves doing it. Um, I think the mistake is that they try and like fully duct tape their mouth when really what Greg McEwen recommends from the oxygen advantage is just a little bit of tape just to increase the friction to opening your mouth at night. Um, and it works very well if you know that you have sleep apnea or snoring. Um, so if you wake up with a dry mouth, then that's a sign that you might be um, doing that. So yeah, if you get if you go for Danny's recommendation of some um, breathe right strips, or if you're feeling ballsy, a little bit of tape, but do it at your own risk, I should say. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not medical advice. <laughs> Hey, Johnny here, just a really quick interruption to this episode to let you know about a resource we now have up and running on propinfitness.com. One of the most popular questions we get from readers and listeners is, hey guys, what would you recommend for my starting calories for fat loss or muscle gain? How much protein, carbs, fat? How many calories should I eat to begin my journey as a starting point? Normally, this is something that we do for clients when they come into our program, The Propin Protocol, but recently, we have opened up the calculator that we use for all of our clients so that you can get a free calculation, a free starting point of what we would recommend if you were to start as a client with us for your protein, carbs, fats, and calories overall for either fat loss or muscle gain, customized to you and your goal. If you want to get access to that, it is totally free. You just have to go to propinfitness.com forward slash calculator, enter your information, and we will send your macros and your calorie recommendations to that email address. And we'll also send you a few free resources over email just to pad that out and ensure that you have the best possible chances of reaching your goals in fat loss and muscle gain. Hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Yeah. Cool. So we've covered breathing then. And um, I think that there's a there's a lot of different methods with breathing. I think some of the ways to to start with is um, look at are you someone that tends to movement or tends to stillness, as Danny said, and if you tend to stillness, try something that's more invigorating like Wim Hof. If you tend towards movement, something that's going to settle you down, like long box breathing or um, the Swedish relaxation response are some good places to start. Yeah. So then you've talked about cold showers. We've, uh, I think we've, <laughs> we've definitely um, both had some uh, separate experiences with cold showers, but um, how is that featured? in your in your change when you take a cold shower you are just it it changes the way you think and you could be someone who is just in a situation where you are so comfortable and you are cozy and you are feeling good but you are not focused like we were talking about before if you're focused, if you're having trouble with focus, literally go in the cold shower for five minutes and it will change the way your brain works. And so when I first started doing these, I had such a hard time doing them, but I got through it because I told myself that, you know, people have gone through so much worse and I can't go through a shower for five minutes. And now it's like, I find enjoyment in doing them. And 
it's it's another example of doing something difficult. And if you do something difficult, there's going to be some good that comes out of it on the other side. Massively. And it's, it's a, I think it's a generational thing as well that, yeah, we think back and it's like probably 50, 60 years ago, well, maybe a bit more, a cold shower was just the norm. Like no one had warm showers. And now it's become not just a luxury, but the baseline. Yeah. And I think this, this goes to the point of, you know, a lot of people having comfortable lives and, and how when we have comfort, we should push back against it. You know, we are in a privileged situation where we have the internet and we have, we have an incredible, we live today in 2020, like people in 1800, the kings of 1800. And that's a crazy thing to think about. That's like only 200 years. And we've so quickly become soft in that sense. And if you could do something slightly difficult, there's going to be some good that comes out of it on the other side. Yeah, there's been this like hedonic adaptation over the years. And then now that just becomes like the accepted thing. So we have to engineer some discomfort in our day. Otherwise, we just become softer and softer. And we, I saw some data the other day on uh, a generational gap or generational drop in grip strength, which is mad. So like every, I think it was like 20-year-old or 10, at, at, at different ages, but across the ages, um, each generation gets weaker and weaker grip strength. And that's maybe because we're, we're more um, sedentary, everyone works more desk jobs and so on. But um, they thought part of it is volitional as well. So actually, we're just not trying as hard in our generation as the as the old generation did. Yeah. Well, Pretty it's hard. also interesting to think about the opposite of that in the sense that throughout the past 100 years, IQ has risen by three points every 10 years on average. And that, you know, that's kind of crazy to think about as well. So, yeah, we have gotten softer, but maybe we've gotten smarter as well. That is interesting. Yeah. So then point three of your checklist is affirmations. And we kind of covered this where um, saying yeah. I love myself and kind of dealing with the the discomfort of saying that um, is the practice. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we've touched on this a bit. And, and I think that it's also important to note that I love myself might not be the right affirmation for you, but if you can find something to ground yourself with, then that is super helpful. Cool. And then to to add to that, you've got um, point four, which is the mentality folder. Um, mm-hmm. So you said this is affirmations on steroids. Can you can you briefly talk us <laughs> yeah. through this? Yeah, man. So it's basically ten pages of it's a printed out document, and it's like you have. 10 sheets of paper that I put in a folder and each piece of paper is going to be something about yourself. So I could actually pull up the, the template for you and, and really, so people can really get an idea of what I'm talking about here. So on, on the front page, I just have my name and I have eight people who inspire me or who I look up to for examples of good living. And 
also, before we get into the mentality folder, I want to note a quick story, which is pretty crazy. And that is when I first started reading the mentality folder, my own mentality folder in September of 2019, I started to, it. the mentality folder was titled Danny Miranda 2.0. Okay. And so I started reading this folder every day for, for months. And then in March of 2020, my parents started calling me Danny 2.0 with ha- having no idea about the folder. That so, is so insane. Insane. insane it, it's also about. not the kind of thing that, unless your parents are like software developers, <laughs> for them to <laughs> they're say. They're not. Yeah, they're, they're not. And they just noticed an upgrade in who I was. That's the craziest part about it. So let me take you through this folder so that people can get an idea of what I'm looking at every single day. Firm page, like I said, is, is just eight people who inspire me, who look up, who I look up to. The next page, I have my identity and the, and I have a bunch of different traits that I'd like to embody. The next page, I've got who am I and more traits of who I am and my body type and my style. The next page, I have a personal creed. The next page, I have vision and mission. And I'm reviewing these every single day. Next page, I've got yearly targets, intentions, standards for myself, final page affirmations or second to final page. And then the last page, I have a cookie jar, which I got from David Goggins. And that is simply just achievements, positive comments to reinforce who I am and who I'm trying to be. So yeah, that's the that's the mentality folder affirmations that, on steroids. That's very cool. What who, who was it that um that kind of prompted this? Yeah, so I got this all from my good friend and an absolute legend legend in Tej Dosa and he actually has on his on his uh you can check out his Twitter. I'm pretty sure you can find a link to designing one of these yourself for yourself. And it's uh, an incredible resource, which if you actually apply it, it could very well change your life. Nice. Yeah. So the, um, the original texts of this kind of stuff from Napoleon Hill outwitting the devil is one of his books that was actually banned until after he, after he died. Uh, but it's, it's fantastic. And then there's psycho cybernetics written by a, a uh, plastic surgeon talking about the the change of self-image after someone has a cosmetic correction for something all ties into this of looking at the Danny Miranda 2.0 or the, the, the 2.0 version of yourself and doing stuff to normalize it so that you start to step into that role. Um, and it's, I just think it's so cool that we're able to hack our brains in this way. And, you know, you can either dismiss it and say, oh, it's, xyz or it's hard or it's cringy or whatever or you can you can do it and you know the the choice is yours to be programmed by external random factors or by your own conscious choice and i'm i'm totally past the point of of thinking it's cringy or anything like that because i want to say that when i started doing this i was such at a place where i i needed help i needed you know the help of something so i was like listen i'm going to try this out i have no there's nothing, no harm that can be done from doing this. So, and I think sometimes you need to get to that point of, of lowness for 
things to work out and because you're like, what other option do I have? So highly recommend it. Again, if you think I'm crazy, that's completely fine too. Like I'm not trying to convince anyone that they should be doing a mentality folder. This is just what's worked for me. Well, what, what I've noticed with you as well is you, you're very good at maintaining a beginner's mind and, and staying, staying open to, um, to things that, that might help. And you don't get your ego in the way of this stuff. I appreciate that, man. And it's, it's incredible because probably two years ago, I was very ego-oriented, very egocentric. And it, it is something that I've worked on and stripping the layers of myself. And this comes from doing meditation and realizing you are not even creating your own thoughts. You are not even like th- your thoughts are just have just been programmed into you. And like, it's really about understanding that you are not anything really except a vector for these thoughts to go about. So yeah, man, I appreciate the kind words and I'm really just, I'm trying to do my best every day. Well, you you meditate a lot as well. I suppose this is a good good time to to cover this one because it's point seven on your on your checklist. And you said there that you don't know what your thoughts are going to be. You, you don't control your thoughts. Anyone that thinks different, just tell me what your next thought's going to be. Like, <laughs> you know, sit down and be like, right. And I was listening to Gary Weber talk about this the other day about the idea of free will because he he kind of stands at odds with um, Sam Harris in some ways you know philosophically although they're, they're you know they're very much um, on the same path and one important um, observation that he made is that the free will of an individual is only felt by the, the the person who's feeling the free will is biased and what's more likely happening based on the current neuroscience is that the brain mobilizes itself to make these decisions and to coordinate the body to do a certain thing. And then at the last minute, it tells the doer, oh, this is what we're doing. And then the doer likes to take the credit for it and goes, oh, I did that, even though actually the brain had already made the decision and the doer is just taking the credit for it. And it's only when, after observing your thoughts for a long time, you start to see this gap and then you're like, oh, I'm just sat here watching it all and I'm not doing any of it. It's so true. And realizing that I'm the observer of not only the thoughts, but the words that I'm speaking right now is the most mind-blowing and trippy experience. And it just makes you realize and and take yourself a lot less seriously. Massively. So how many minutes do you meditate a day? So I'm currently doing 60 minutes a day. And I've been doing that since May of 2020. So now we're on six months of 60 minutes a day minimum. And it's it's incredible, man. It's incredible because it gives you such an advantage over the previous version of yourself, as well as 99% of the people you're speaking to. Because the difference, when I'm speaking, I've already gone to the therapist today. You know, like <laughs> people who have done therapy or are have have been through that, they understand that when you go to the therapist, you almost feel like a weight is off your shoulder sometimes. You almost feel like, wow, like I needed that, you know, like that yoga we were talking about. Well, if you're meditating for 60 minutes, you are in essence going to the therapist with your own mind. And it just frees you from like, who cares what happens? I already got everything off my chest. So 60 yeah. minutes is huge as well. That's, that, that's a long time to be consistently doing 
with a with a busy life how do you manage that it's just a priority you know i did it at first as a challenge like 60 minutes a day for 60 minutes a day for 60 days from naval that's that's his challenge all credit to naval and you do it for 60 days and you're like well this is probably the most important thing that i do every day so why would i not do it and it reminds me of something that Yuval Noah Harari spoke about, which is he's the author of Sapiens. And he starts his year by planning out the, he goes on a retreat every year. And so he, like a 30 day retreat. And he's like a, a, a an author who is, he sold like 26 million copies of his books. He's like incredible. But the way he stays focused is he keeps the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing for him is meditation. And he does, you know, two hours a day, I think of meditation and he does this retreat for 30 days. And he, he understands that he could not have come to those insights that he did in the book Sapiens without doing the, that meditation. So it's all about keeping the main thing, the main thing. A month every year is insane. But then again, how many people do we know that I mean, I, probably myself included, that spends a month a year on bloody social media. So you're like, crazy. Well, that's that's probably not that's not done me anywhere near as much good as spending. But we justify that. Oh no, I couldn't possibly do that. Um, at the end of my ten day retreat, they they said, uh, and it's the, this is the best form of like objection handling that I've ever heard. Which was, um, okay, guys, go away and meditate for two hours a day. And everyone was like, what? That's lit. and he's like, well, you you're an hour more productive. And you sleep an hour less. So and I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. Like, because <laughs> then the only reason that you wouldn't do it is just for because you're being a willy. So <laughs> it's crazy because when you understand the power of this, like when I first started meditation, I, 20 minutes was very difficult for me. And I only started a year ago, like September of 2019. So a little more than a year ago, started doing 20 minutes a day in the morning and I hated it. And I had no idea why I was doing it. I just knew that my man, Tej, shout out Tej, who created the mentality folder. He said that it worked for him. So I was like, listen, who am I? Let me just do it. And then, you know, I, I was doing 20 minutes a day for a long time. And even in March of this year, I was thinking to myself, like an hour, people really meditate for an hour. How is that possible? Like eight months ago, I was thinking that. So I think everything is in relation. We think of everything in relation to what we view as normal. And if you start viewing an hour a day as normal, then it's normal. And, you know, like I've been in your position listening. If you haven't meditated more than 30 minutes, I've been there. I know it's it sounds crazy and intimidating to meditate for an hour a day but you have nothing to be scared of. It's just your own thoughts. And if you lean into it, it, it will produce outcomes that could change your life. It's one of the biggest fears, you know, putting somebody in solitary confinement is considered the highest form of punishment because yeah. they have to sit and confront their thoughts with no other input. So yeah, it's, it's a big point of resistance. And I think once you're able to, to sit and handle that, it opens up a whole world. What's, it's um, also it's sorry, also the highest form of self-love, right? Which is so incredible. The juxtaposition of that, spending time by yourself alone is on one hand, torture. It can be torture. And on the other hand, 
it can be the highest form of giving yourself love. And that is such an interesting concept that I never thought of about prior to this conversation. Yeah, it's a crazy polarity, isn't it? What What's the, so do you do Naval's method then of the uh, clearing the inbox? Yeah, and I, I have two different methods. And one is that I either go to nothing immediately and then witness when I go away from nothingness and people will say to me all the time, like, what is nothing? Like, how? and I, I can't define it. It's just like that place of like blackness and, you know, but I either start at nothing and then w- witness when I have thoughts or I just let the thoughts go. And eventually I get so tired of hearing myself speak and hearing the voice in my head that I'm like, shut up. And I <laughs> go to that place of nothing. So two roads lead to the same place. Did you experience the phenomena that he describes as the inbox zero of the mind absolutely absolutely i i I feel as if i've gone through so many issues and situations that have happened to me in the past so many that i'm like oh my god like i'm free those situations were unread emails and now i i've I've read them (laughs) and now they just go straight to the spam folder (laughs) well no, I'm aware of them. So it's it's incredible. But yeah. That's fantastic. And I, I suppose the um, the ultimate goal is to uh, recreate those neural pathways so that you have those like outlook auto rules that just um, mark it as read and then send it to delete, to, to delete it straight away. <laughs> so yeah. number the, the final two on your on your list, and I think it's a good way to wrap things up, is walking outside with no phone. Oh, it's huge. Talk to us about that. Oh my God. I mean, I, this is like such a hidden superpower. If you can walk outside and get lost in nature and get lost in animals and really just think of yourself and see yourself and say, I love you to people who walk by and like literally in your head, in my head, I'm going like, I love that person. I love you. And it's, dude, it's so crazy what happens because I'll get animals that will stare at me for, you know, way too long and just like be attracted to me. And their owners will be like, no, no, come. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just, all I'm saying in my head is I love you to that animal, to that person. And, but regardless of that, if you think I'm crazy for, for doing that, literally going outside and breathing in the nature, breathing in something that we forget so often is that we are nature. Like, we live in these houses, we live in these apartments, we live separated from nature, but we are nature. Like we are no different than that monkey. We are just, we just think we are because we have lights that go and and computers that interact, but like we are nature. So getting back to that for at least 45 minutes a day frees my mind, clears my inbox and and just allows me to be free in the present moment. I was laughing before because it's so mad that in 2020, the idea of just going for a walk without your phone is considered such a like foreign thing. You know, I I, I remember seeing like a meme of um, if you think you're at peace, try going to the bathroom without your phone. Um, <laughs> like we're we're so we're so attached to these things that um, stuff that would 10, 50, well maybe 15, 20 years ago would have that would have been totally normal is now like a is now almost unheard of like if you see someone at a party that 
is like standing there without being on their phone or someone in a coffee shop just drinking a coffee, people think, like, oh, he must be a psychopath. <laughs> Absolutely. And I will take that any day of the week because it, it makes me feel whole, you know? That's amazing. And then the final one is talk to a stranger. So you said when we talk to others, it reminds us of how kind the majority of people are. And um, when we're so caught up in our heads, we forget that actually like everyone else is as well. I got chills when you just said that, man, because we we really we forget it by being on social media. We forget it by by not interacting with others. We the world works the way it works. Like we have roads that that transport people. People are going and people are are living in society. And the reason why this is all possible is because 99.9% of people are kind people. And you watch the news long enough and you forget that fact. You stay long enough on social media, you forget that fact. But if you really take time out of your day to interact with other people, to ask them questions, to, to learn about their life with no expectation of anything in return, what you realize and the, the conclusion you draw naturally is, wow, people are nice. People are kind. People are good people. People are amazing. And when you come to that conclusion, it gives you a lot of optimism and hope for what the future holds. That is beautiful, man. And it is something that kind of warms my heart as well when if I'm seeing a patient in the hospital and I, I go up and say hello and they say, how are you? I, that That always like hits me because I think, this is someone who is unwell enough to need to be in hospital and they're worried about me. Like they're asking about how I am. And I think like that is such a nice sign that um, people can step beyond themselves despite any level of suffering. And it takes so little, right? Like to ask someone, how's your day going? Literally, I, I challenge every person here, like whether that be to at a grocery store or at a park or whatever it may be, literally ask someone, how's your day going? And like genuinely mean it. Like, not like, Hey, what's up? How's it going? Like, how are you doing today? Like, are you good? Like, this is a crazy time in society. This is a crazy time in the world right now. An unforgettable one in many respects, but one that is, is harmful to a lot of people and it hurts a lot of people. But if you ask them how they're doing, that can make their day, that can make their week, that can make their month. Literally take time out of your day. Please, 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 I implore you of, to ask someone how they're doing. It really is going to be so well received. I, I can't think of a situation where, where that's been a, a negative outcome. And especially if someone's working in a service sector, um, I, I always feel particularly bad for like people that work at like checkouts and shops and stuff because they have to take so much abuse from angry, pissed off people that when someone just like doesn't have any agenda and is just asking how they're doing, it's it's such a refreshing shift. And that's what I try to do with my Twitter account, right? That's what I try to do with my podcast. I try to embody that as best I can to try to genuinely help people as much as I can for no expectation and no reason other than the purity of wanting everyone to be the best version of themselves possible. 
You know, that's what that's what life is all about to me. Is like, can I use my life as a way to make others happier, healthier, wiser? Yes. Okay. I succeeded in this thing we call life. So how can we do that then? What's the next step? How can we get hold of your Twitter and your podcast? The Twitter is at Hey Danny Miranda. The podcast is the Danny Miranda uh, podcast. I almost said the Danny Miranda experience. Shout out Joe Rogan. <laughs> and, but you can check that all out. My website's dannymiranda.com. And please reach out to me, tweet me, email me, contact me. I'm, I'm here for you and I will get back to you within 24, 48 hours for sure. Amazing. Yeah, I fully recommend if you're listening to this, go follow Danny on his Twitter, his website and his podcast. Do all three because he posts different types of content on on different platforms. And I guarantee you will go down a binge of his content and it'll it'll uplift you. Thank you, man, for having me. I, I appreciate this. And this has been tremendous fun. Thank it's been you. great, man. It's been really enriching. Hey, Johnny again. Hope you enjoyed that episode. So we have an opportunity for you, something that we have put together that is totally free, that is a synthesis of everything that Yusuf and I have learned in fat loss, muscle gain, nutrition, training, lifestyle, habits, the works. Everything that you hear on these podcasts, condensed and more, condensed into a synthesis of seven days of learning and immersive experience to totally overhaul, enhance, and accelerate the results you're getting currently in your training and your nutrition, no matter how advanced you are or aren't. We put together a virtual learning interactive coaching experience called the seven day kickstart that you can take part in whenever you're ready to. To join, simply go propinfitness.com forward slash seven day kickstart, enter your details and you'll be sent everything that you need. You'll be coached by the Propin Fitness coaching team over seven days for free. You'll get seven days of content sent to your email completely for free. And it gives you a look behind the scenes of what we do with clients and gives you a ton of information that previously was only available to paying clients inside of our world. So propinfitness.com forward slash seven day kickstart to take part. And we hope to see you inside. See you in the next episode. Speak soon.